0: The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.
1: Interesting people, relatable stories, relevant, topical. This is 630 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. We're talk more about rural crime in the coming days if not tomorrow. So uh, keep that in mind and uh, we can follow up on a number of your comments uh, on the text line at 6363. Your phone calls at 4960063. Right now though, uh, wanting to switch gears uh, a little bit, the Mazenkowski Alberta Heart Institute is celebrating 10 years, 10 years of helping Albertans with cardiovascular issues, keeping them alive, giving them a second chance of life and it's home to some leading uh, leading-edge research. This afternoon we're joined by someone who knows uh, the great work that is being uh, done there and a doctor doing that work. I'd like to welcome Dr. Uh, Dylan Taylor, the facility medical director at the MAS and at the University Hospital and Brad Smoliak who's been a patient there since last fall. Dr. Taylor, Brad welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Jaylen. Glad to be on the show with you. Sorry, I can't be with you in person there.
1: Oh, it's just I get I get to, I get face to face once a year at the telethon. That's it, Dr. Taylor. <laughs> You're That's busy. Right. You're busy, fella. Listen, I know that you have been doing cardiac care in Edmonton for many many years now. How has it changed over the years, and and what impact um, has the mass had on that?
2: Well, things have, of course, evolved uh, remarkably since I began working here, and I'm happy and uh, sorry to say that I've been working here in Edmonton since 1991, so <laughs> my hair colour has changed over the years. <laughs> but uh, we've been able to uh, take advantage of many of the advances that have occurred, and we've been able to be involved in many of those advances here at the Mazinkowski One of the biggest changes has been the ability to uh, do things less invasively, so via catheters uh, through the arteries or veins rather than needing open-heart surgery. And the other major change has been the kind of supports that we've been able to provide for people whose hearts have been very unwell and who in previous uh, decades and generations might not have survived. Now they can.
1: And you know what? And uh, that is why our other guest is uh, in studio with us this afternoon, Brad Smoliak. Brad, you had a big scare last fall. What happened?
0: Uh, I was working uh, out in Halifax and I came back and I was really puffy like a marshmallow. And having some issues breathing and and just being uh, quite tired all the time, and uh, went into the mass and spent a couple weeks there. And they said, "Hey, you're in heart failure." Wow. And uh, we got uh, heart transplant as an option. And then unfortunately, that uh, that didn't pan out. So I was fitted or a procedure was booked at that time for early um, 2019 to install a VAD or ventricular aided or assisted
2: device.
1: So Dr. Taylor, tell us about VADs. What are they and how they work?
2: So a VAD is a mechanical pump. VAD standing, as Brad had said, for a ventricular assist device. And so it assists the main pumping chambers, chamber or chambers of the heart to circulate blood when the muscle that forms that chamber has become weak. Hmm. How, much, how, how often do you do this? Well, the Masinkowski actually has one of the largest VAD programs uh, in the world, almost, and certainly in the country. And so there are uh, probably close to 100 people who have benefited from a, a VAD over time. And at, uh, in fact, one patient we have who had a VAD implanted 10 years ago uh-huh. is still living with uh, with his VAD. Wow. So it happens many times a year when uh, patients need that kind of support.
1: So they, they, the, the, this VAD will be um, will be put in and will be used as long as it's continuing to do its job and then is a, as a transplant the next option?
2: So very often a VAD is uh, placed because someone needs time to recover or their heart needs time to heal uh, before they might be a candidate for a transplant and sometimes it actually then makes the transplant unnecessary. Oh, in rare circumstances, we know that a VAD might be the only option where, when other factors might make a transplant or rule a transplant out as an option.
1: Brad, have you had, had you ever heard of one of these things before?
0: No, this was the first time. In uh, about a year ago. And
1: so, when when they told you, what 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 went through your mind?
0: Oh, boy. Um, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, there's no option. Yeah. I mean, really, what is the option? Uh, it took a little while to wrap my head around walking around with about num- nine pounds of, of weight. Yes. And how that was going to affect my life and what I do for a living. I'm a chef. You're
1: a chef. Of course, kitchen. Um, and, yeah. and,
0: and, and trying to be quite active. And, and once I got over that, I mean... In a way, I'm quite fortunate in a way as I've been around the hospitals my entire life. Mm -hmm. So I kind of know how they work. So there wasn't that big shock Mm. of, wham, you're in the hospital now.
1: Uh, Dr. Taylor, um, I think the numbers that I last read were 1300 open heart surgeries annually, about 284 heart and lung and lung transplants since opening. I think when we think of the mass, oftentimes we just think of of hearts, but no, the heart and lung and lung side of that is huge and there's some great research on that front being done there.
2: Yes, absolutely. We have uh, a couple of our uh, heart surgeons who are doing some work with uh, what is essentially an artificial life support system for organs. So uh, Dr. Darren Freed and Dr. Jayan Nagendron have uh, done amazing work to develop uh, a kind of pump that helps circulate uh, blood uh, through organs that are being prepared for transplant and in fact in the case of the lungs what they have developed is uh, a machine essentially that allows the lungs to breathe the same way that they would in a natural environment so in the human body but they're doing that in the machine and that allows the lungs to survive in fact they can be treated and improved when they are being prepared for donation and implantation into a recipient.
1: And that is just uh, amazing and I know that I've, I've I told Dr. Nagendron uh, during the, the, the telethon and I might have told you as well, I've had numerous friends who have died on the waiting list waiting for lung transplants because of their cystic fibrosis mm-hmm. and um, when when I start hearing about about this and, and, and the difference that it could make uh, well that it could have made maybe you know 15-10 years ago but the difference it's going to make moving forward that's really really exciting and when you say life-changing that is life-changing in the most life-changing way isn't it
2: absolutely right yeah yes, it's really uh, just remarkable
1: um you know um when we talk about some of um, organ donors that sort of thing i know it can be a tricky conversation some people have signed up for organ donation others are still a little leery about it w- what do you tell people about um thinking about organ
2: donation Well, organ donation is a way that um, a tragedy can be at least um, lessened to a small degree because one person, one family's uh, tragedy, losing a loved one, whether it's a motor vehicle accident or um, some other medical um, catastrophe that occurs that leads to their death, uh, can be translated into literally into life for numerous other people. So one donor can support the lives of six or eight other people who would very likely not have survived without that gift. So it's just about the most amazing gift that a person could give to anyone else. Uh,
1: When you look at the uh, aging population, uh, when you look at the boomers um, coming up, what kind of impact is that going to have on on the health
2: care system and the MAS? Well, in fact, it is a remarkable um, benefit in the health system. For most organs that require transplant, and probably the commonest organ that would require transplant are kidneys, we have very good data that a kidney transplant is by far the most cost effective way of dealing with what we describe medically as end stage renal disease. So if someone's kidneys are failing and they have to be put on dialysis, that is not only very tough for that individual in terms of how it impacts their life but it's actually a very expensive way to treat that condition kidney transplant transforms their life returns them essentially to normal they do not need uh, a device like a dialysis machine to Mm. support them and so in the long run it's by far the most economical way to manage that disease so you have all benefits for benefits for the lifestyle of the person and benefits for our society and for the system in terms of costs as well.
1: And Dr. Dylan Taylor uh, joining me along with Brad Smoliak. Uh, Dr. Taylor, before I let you uh, go, and I'm going to continue my conversation on with Brad because I know you're you a pretty busy guy these days. The University Hospital Foundation just made a, a historic $10 million donation to the Mazenkowski Alberta Heart Institute. What does
2: that do for the institute? That uh, provides amazing opportunities for us uh, to continue our work. It allows for innovation. It allows some of our researchers to continue with their incredible work. It allows our teams to develop better and better ways to manage uh, illnesses, cardiac illnesses. And so it's just amazing. I, I really thank all the thousands and thousands of donors to the University Hospital Foundation who have made that donation possible.
1: Um, Dr. Taylor, I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon and I look forward to talking with you again sometime soon
2: thanks, Jalen. Nice take, to be on the show with you.
1: Take care. That's Dr. Dylan Taylor. He is the uh, Facility Medical Director, University of Alberta Hospital and the Mazinkowski Alberta Heart Institute K-Edmonton Clinic. You name it, he's pretty much doing it. Now, Brad uh, Brad Smoliak, uh, some of you are going, I know that name. I know that name. I know uh, you've been on with Jespo in the past. You've been busy in, in this community for, for quite a while. You're a chef. Yeah. You're a chef and uh, Kitchen. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, Kitchen by brad smoliak isn't it all right so um can you give us an idea i mean this you had you had alluded to the fact that you'd been in and out of hospitals uh that you weren't you know nervous around them or they weren't uh uncomfortable whatever it was that you said a little bit of your story you were you were born with a, with a birth defect
0: i was born with a birth defect that uh, at 11 days old i had my first surgery at the u of a uh, at that time, um, they told my parents there was about a 3% chance of me making it.
1: Really? 3%? Yeah,
0: till I was five years old. Wow. And I made it at five and then they sent me out to uh, with my parents to uh, the Toronto Sick Children's and I mm-hmm. had kind of a groundbreaking uh, surgery at that time called the Mustard Procedure which basically flipped the great vessels. So my heart is kind of backwards. Your towards. heart was, yeah, it was yeah. backwards. Okay. Yeah, it still is. <laughs> um, but they just basically flipped the vessels. Uh, so when I, when that happened, I mean, it was quite amazing when when you think about it. 1971, had the surgery on December 8th, and we were back home in Edmonton on the 24th of wow. December. So, you know, 16 days. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, things were going along fine until about 35, and then I started... To, you know, developing some symptoms of getting tired, heart racing. And, you know, I hit 239 with the heart racing. Oh, my. Which is pretty interesting and trying to slow that down. And and we just got to the stage, you know, Dr. Taylor, I was very fortunate, very, very fortunate that he uh, has been my cardiologist Mm. for the last 20 years. And, you know, he just said last September, he said, you know, it's just this repair that you've had for 47 years. It you know the, the heart is a pump it's wearing out, uh, so.
1: And you were now in late stage heart failure. Basically, yeah. All right, let's take a break here. When we come back, um, you're moving, you're doing things, you're yeah. feeling great now. We'll talk about uh, the switch sure. after this. So we're going to continue our conversation with Brad Smoliak and um, it's all a part of um, just acknowledging that the Mazenkowski Alberta Heart Institute is celebrating 10 years and you know what Chadville, every year when we do that, um, our Heart Pledge Day, you come through in a big way supporting the Mazenkowski, and once again you're hearing another story, Brad's story, about how you know, your funds that have gone towards research to 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 um to equipment has helped. That is keeping him alive right now. And um, this you 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 started to feel sick, started to feel not well, uh, the racing heart, that sort of stuff. When you went in and the, uh, we touched on this briefly, they said, okay, we have to do this. Ugh. I mean, did you think what about a heart transplant right away?
0: Uh, once Dr. Taylor said a heart transplant and I was kind of, it wasn't on the top of my mind. No, It was, it was a big shock. And yeah. then when, when uh, the tests were done and they said, no, you can't have a heart transplant. We got to go to the next step, which is the VAD. That was a big one too. But then once you get, you know, a lot of it is mental. Yeah. And once you get over that aspect of it and not worrying, you got... Enough people there to worry about yeah. you, and they're all experts in what. they So do.
1: the equipment that you wear, this VAD, when you um, when you when it all, how does it all hook up? How does it work? And you're carrying it
0: around. Well, you have like a central control unit that's kind of <laughs> right, for lack of a better word, it's kind of just right below the the chest, and uh, you know it looks probably like. Um, uh, well, I'm an old guy, so it's uh, the Walkman or something along those <laughs> lines. And then two batteries that are on the side and connected with wires. You know, it's pretty, oh, pretty simple. That. And then it's, you know, operated. Uh, they do all the programming, yeah. thank goodness. Uh, but basically every day I have to read certain numbers to them. Like now I'm reading because uh, it's not a pneumatic pump, so okay. there's no... You know, s- squeezing. It's just circular. So, is
1: there an open line into your
0: chest? Uh, not into the chest. That goes in the back. Into the back. Oh, the okay. And the side, and then wraps around. Two batteries. Yeah. And uh, so it goes at about 6,200 revolutions per minute. I have no no pulse.
1: Can you, Okay, that's weird. Can you f- can you feel it? Can you feel anything?
0: Uh, you can't really feel anything. Uh, late at night, like when. You know, you go to bed, you'll hear a slight whirl. like Like the slightest whirl you can imagine.
1: Okay, this is, yeah. Mind-blowing? The the, the whole part where you said you don't have a heart, you don't have a pulse. Yeah. That just got me, because I'm thinking, no, isn't that making your heart move? But it's not.
0: It's the pump that's helping it.
1: Isn't that something else?
0: Yeah. So it's pretty its pretty mind-blowing.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, my gosh. And, and you said you're, you're feeling great now. Uh, you know, things are kind of getting back on track. Once you learn how to deal with all of this, it's like anyone who goes through uh, a medical issue, you figure it out, you figure what you can, what you can't do, yeah. and you move forward.
0: Yeah, you know, it was probably, well, I know it was. It was harder on my, my family mm-hmm. than it was me. On, in all honesty, I mean, I just laid there, yeah, and did what I was told. I probably had maybe, you know, f- four or five days of real pain that I felt, but it was harder on my my family. But yeah, you just go along, and I, 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 you know, people have asked me, what's it like? What's it like? And I'm a dog lover, yeah. So, and I know every time I take my dog for a walk, he likes he's really, really pulling to yeah. get going. And as soon as you get him to the off-leash park, he just runs. Yeah, And that's kind of me. I've kind of been like (laughs) the dog on the leash. And now I got let in an off-leash park, and away we go.
1: What did you learn about the Maz from your
0: time there? Oh, boy. I mean, you know, uh, probably the, the most important lesson or thing that I learned is the world, whatever you want, you know, there's a lot going on. But the sense of humanity and the sense of kindness and, uh, just personal care and generosity mm-hmm. from, uh, you know, the, the, we say the doctors and nurses and, you know, at a world renowned Institute, like the Madison Kelsey, you, you kind of expect that, but everybody else, they're phenomenal. Like the food service people that dropped off your meals. I mean, Lawrence, I saw him today and he said, Hey, Brad, how you doing? <laughs> you know, I haven't seen him for three months. Everyone.
1: What about, um, you know, and I think a lot of people think about heart issues or cardiovascular issues as, a, as an old person's uh, issue.
0: Yeah. And that's not the case, is it? No, that's not the case. You know, there's a lot of um, congenital issues like myself and people don't find it out until they're uh, in their later stages of life, like mm-hmm. my age. Well, not later stages, (laughs) I hope not. Anyways, (laughs) um, and you know, uh, funny enough, well, not funny, but uh, one of our relatives, their son, who's three years old, Mm -hmm. has a uh, heart defect the exact same as mine. Wow. Which is kind of mind-blowing, and it's not that it... Not family related, genetic yeah. related, just a family member.
1: Well, I can remember walking in there to do one of the Heart Pledge Days, and and one of the guys that I uh, body built with years back. I mean, in his 30s, he was in there. You were telling a story about a a mom giving birth and went into heart failure during birth, and oh my goodness, there's the baby and a, a young mom in there. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a spectrum. It's a it's a wide range.
0: You know, honestly, when you when you go there and and hospitals. People who go, um, you know, one of my f- my friends said, oh, Brad, I feel so sorry for you for spending 100 days at the Mass. And I said, no, 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 no. Be thankful we have the Mass. I mean, I don't want to stay there any longer than I have to. But, uh, you know, it is a place where, again, you sit there and and you see people from all walks of life, different, you know, mm-hmm. both genders and people that are having great moments of life and crappy moments. And it's just really interesting. What's next for you? Oh, next for me, uh, well, we got to harvest the garden, whatever's left. Uh, <laughs> go and pick a couple tomatoes. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. We kind of take it day by day. Um, I would like to. We're just waiting for the okay. My son lives in London, England now, so hopefully we're going over there nice. before the new year.
1: All right. Brad Smoliak, nice to see you. Um, and I'm glad you're feeling so much better. Thank you. All right. Thanks for joining us for this segment on the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. I've brought Smol- Smoliak, Dr. Taylor from the as It celebrates 10 years.